Before we start, I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Everybody, welcome into Locked On Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Monday, May 3rd, 2021. Here's how dumb I am. I almost said 2002. I am such a geek because May 3rd, 2002 was when Sam Raimi's original Spider-Man came out. I was in kindergarten. And for some reason, that date popped into my head. And I almost said 2002, but it's not. It's 2021, but what do those years have in common? In both years, the Tigers were really, really terrible. I love doing what I get to do on here. I take it as a privilege. I will never apologize for my passion. I will never uh, back down from saying, yeah, I get fired up. I get get emotional about this stuff. It matters to me. And and that's because I'm given an incredible platform like Lockdown to be able to talk about my favorite team and my favorite sport. And I always, I take that as a blessing. It will never be a curse. But I would be lying to you if there weren't those days where I ask myself, is it worth it? Because it's not a requirement for my favorite teams to love me back, but it sure would help, wouldn't it? And this week, or this weekend, I'm sorry, watching the Tigers get swept by the New York Yankees, their record is now 8-21 and 21, uh, over a month into the season. You wonder, is it worth it? Does it is it really worth it? Because the team I'm watching, I don't even recognize anymore, and I haven't recognized them for a long time. I know the players. I've watched these guys. I watch them night in and night out. But it doesn't feel like Tigers baseball. With all that said, we still got to recap the games that went on over the weekend, and I am more than happy to talk about them. Let's start with what was a beatdown in the Bronx on Friday night, ten to nothing at the hands of the New York Yankees. I'm going to mirror a lot of what I said in my post game, but this is one of those times where I can't get super upset at the offense. Now, and as I'll talk about later, this is a terrible, terrible offense. It's one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. I think there is a real chance we may look back and, and say that this is the worst offense in the history of the franchise, especially considering where we are in the rebuild. Two years ago, there was no excuse for how bad they were, but even more so now, like you should have somebody in your system that's doing something for you and you're not. But in this particular instance, it had a lot more to do with what Garrett Cole was doing right than what the Tigers were doing wrong. Garrett Cole is a master. He's 4-1 and one now, his ERA down to 1.43. He's one of my favorite pitchers to watch because he's one of those guys, and I, I really do think that those two years playing with Verlander really helped him step up his game because he, he reminds me of what, the way Verlander pitched when he was really in his prime. A guy who gets better as the game goes along, and at his best is a guy who you say, gosh, I don't I don't know if anyone is capable of hitting this guy ever. I mean, he's got a fastball that's unbelievable. I will even say, now Verlander, in terms of pure stuff, is one of the greatest that I have ever seen. 
But I would almost argue that Cole, in terms of a repertoire of pitches, might be better. Like, he doesn't have a better fastball than Verlander did. Nobody does. I don't think he has a better curveball than Verlander did. Nobody does. But I feel like with his slider and his changeup being the weapons that they are, he's he's one of the best in baseball. If not for Jacob deGrom, I'd be comfortable calling him the best pitcher in baseball, even ahead of Shane Bieber. He was phenomenal uh, on Friday night. Six innings. Could have gone longer, but the game was over. Four hits, no runs, no walks, and 12 strikeouts. Uh, that wasn't the story, though, at least in terms of the Tigers' storylines. The story, to me, was who was on the mound for Detroit. Tarek Skubal, three innings, five hits, four runs, all of them earned, two walks and one strikeout. He gave up three home runs. His ERA is now up to 6.14. Look, we have these two young pitchers that we've seen a lot of so far this season, Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal. And Casey Mize has taken his lumps. He has struggled a fair amount at points, but I have seen nothing in his repertoire. I have seen nothing in regards to mechanics. I mean, we know the mechanical limita- limitations. We've talked about that. But I've seen nothing that makes me think it's time to panic. If he gets injured, then, of course, it's a different story. But knock on wood again a million times that he doesn't get injured. The stuff is great. I think his demeanor is fine. I think he's still a confident pitcher. Just some command issues. And when he's been good, he's been pretty darn good. Like that start, of course, against the Astros. Or even his last outing against a really good White Sox team where he went six innings, giving up three earned. He had one bad inning. Besides that, he was pretty darn good. You can work with that. With that said... I'm close to hitting the panic button with Tarek Skubal. Tarek Skubal looks like Ryan Carpenter right now. And I know that's a little bit harsh because we're talking about a guy who probably had the worst stuff I've ever seen at the major league level in terms of starting pitching. But I'm really concerned about him officially. I I, I wish I didn't have to say that. I wish it wasn't the case. But to me, first of all, and this is going to be a minor thing, but I I think it's bigger than people will let on. I think his body language and his demeanor on the mound suck. And look, when you're pitching well, obviously you're going to be a little bit more intimidating, but you look over at Garrett Cole, even on his worst day, that guy looks like he's about 7'5", he's big, he's imposing, he's threatening. The best pitchers of all time had that glare, the, the Pedros of the world, the Doc Holliday's of the world, the really the Randy Johnsons, you know who I'm talking about, like Chris Sale when he was at his best was like that. They were intimidating presences even when they weren't pitching well because you knew they were one slight adjustment away from dominating you over the next several innings. Tarek Skubal, you've seen a lot of slump shoulders. Uh, a lot, you know, back hunched over, a lot of confusion in his face. It makes me think that he's not a confident pitcher, and it makes me think that there's something in his repertoire right now that is causing him to not be as explosive as he should be. That's the biggest concern, because that big, huge, explosive 98, 99-mile-per-hour fastball of Tarek Skubal's, where is it? I haven't seen it. And you watch that that Yankees game, we're seeing 92-mile-per-hour heaters with no movement. The spin rate is still down. I think we're enough starts in, enough appearances in to wonder if there really is an issue. And I said in my post game, I think they should strongly consider sending him down. I still stand by that. I know why they won't. They don't really have anybody in the minor leagues other than Matt Manning. At that point, you're trading a rookie for a rookie. But you got to go with your best five. And Tarek Skubal, I know, I know this team is terrible, but I have a hard time believing that Tarek Skubal is one of their best five right now. And it pains me to say that, and I need to backtrack and say what I said on Friday. This is not me saying that Tarek Skubal is a bust. This is not me saying that Tarek Skubal is not going to amount to anything. It's not me saying that Tarek Skubal is going to be a bad major league pitcher. It's me saying that right now, he is not. 
And if you've watched him pitch so far this season, I don't know how you can't agree with me. He has been truly pitiful. The stuff looks flat. His fastball is down in velocity. The spin rate is down. Now, AJ came out and said after the game, I don't believe it's the caliber of player that we have to worry about. I think there's something we need to fix. And AJ Hinch is a smart man. And he's also an honest man, which is one of the things I appreciate about him. I think if he felt like Scooball needed to work out something down in the minor leagues, I think he would say it. I really do. I think he's that brutally honest. So clearly he believes it's not an ability issue So what is it? Is it a mechanical issue? Is it a confidence issue? I'm not sure, but Scooball looked better at the end of last season than Mize did. Like, Scooball showed me more last year than Mize did in the limited action that we saw. He's regressed. He looks worse than he did in spring training, which makes me think that maybe something happened down in Lakeland. Maybe the warm weather allowed him to have kind of that bump in velocity because he looked pretty sharp in spring. I know spring is a crapshoot anyway, but for young pitchers like that, I feel like it does matter. He was uh, truly, truly awful. And the Tigers ended up losing Friday's game 10 to nothing. We have two more games to talk about, and I am going to talk about those in segment number two. We will be right back. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online your online sportsbook experts. Back for segment number two, Tigers lost game two of this series, the most competitive of the three games, a 6-4 loss, not nearly as close as the score indicated. Tigers got three late, and then Chappie shut them down there in the last inning, going 1-2-3 on like seven pitches or something. Yeah, it was, it was seven pitches exactly. Spencer Turnbull pitched for the Tigers, and here's the thing, people. I don't like to be all doom and gloom. I don't. I want to come on here and talk about exciting things. And you saw in the Houston series, you can hear it. I, people who know me personally know that when the Tigers are playing well, you can physically see a bit more of a pep in my step. I don't want to come on here and just complain. But Spencer Turnbull pitched for the Tigers, and I thought it was the worst we've seen him in his three appearances this year. Five innings, five hits, four runs, four earned, three walks, and one strikeout. Through his first two years of work at the major league level, He really had one big problem, and that's just consistency. Repeating his delivery, getting that consistent strike throwing, getting ahead in counts. I've said a million times that's correctable, and it is. I felt like Chris Fetter would help do him wonders. I know the Yankees lineup is really good, but we're talking about a guy who's in his mid-20s at this point. I believe even late 20s, because I think he got off to kind of a late start at the major league level. And five innings in New York against the Yankees, one strikeout. And I've said many times, Spencer Turnbull has 200 strikeouts a year potential. I still believe that. But I'm tired of talking about upside, okay? Upside brings you nothing. Upside is just anticipation. And I did not think he looked particularly good on Saturday. I didn't think he looked very confident on Saturday. And again, look, there is no reason... I shouldn't be yelling. I'm sorry. I feel like when people listen to this podcast, they just hear me yell, and that's how I got my reputation. (sighs) Relax. Okay. There's no reason why a guy with his stuff should be getting as few swings and misses as he does. We're talking about a guy with a fastball that hovers around, you know, between 93 and 96. You've seen him top out at 97, 98 in the past. He's got an explosive fastball and pretty darn good off-speed stuff 
why does he not get more swings and misses? I felt like in the past, he was intentionally trying to be a pitcher that was more of a pitch-for-contact guy, which I never agreed with. I think that was one of the huge flaws in Rick Anderson's tenure when he was the pitching coach in Detroit, this idea of getting ahead with the fastball, trying to induce weak contact. The fact is, in 2021 in Major League Baseball, hitters are smarter than they've ever been. Unless your name is Kyle Hendricks, and I think even Hendricks has given up 13 runs over his last two starts, but unless you're somebody like that with pinpoint command and control, you got to find a way to miss bats. And I felt like Turnbull was going to be one of those guys with Fetter in place as the pitching coach who would find something that he hadn't found with Rick Anderson. And there's been other pitchers. I'm just about to talk about one of them uh, here later in this segment in Jose Urania, who I think have benefited from having Fetter as a pitching coach. But you can be as good a pitching coach as you want. At the end of the day, you can't teach a guy to consistently throw strikes. That, that's a that's a God-given thing. That's a personal thing. You got to be able to find the zone. And I feel like as explosive as Spencer Turnbull's stuff is, his inability to repeat his delivery consistently has led to way too many problems. Now, it's one outing. ERA is at 450. I thought he was good in his first two outings, but in Pittsburgh, he went five innings. And, and against Kansas City, he went six, but gave up three runs. He is a professional pitcher. This is, I don't want anyone to get this misconstrued. This is not me saying they should send him down. I think he maybe has the highest upside of any pitcher on the roster other than Mize, but he's in year three right now. He is, on this young team, one of the veterans and I think he needs to step up a little bit and find a way to get some swings and misses, or else he's never going to reach his true potential, which is sad. Jamison Tyone pitched for the Yankees, five innings, one run, three walks, eight strikeouts, gave up three hits. He was fine, then the bullpen did the rest, even though Justin Wilson, former Tiger, struggled a little bit. You know what the saddest part about this game was? And it is sad. Remember in 2013 when, like, the Tigers would maybe struggle for a week and we'd say, what the heck is going on with this offense? And then they would break out for, like, 11 runs in, in one night and Torrey would homer and Miggy would homer and Omar Infante was batting 300, would hit a few doubles and Prince would double and Victor would double and it was just a huge, it was just a hodgepodge of unbelievable hitters playing their best and then they'd go the next week scoring 7-plus every game and they would have that big splurge. Saturday's game was their big splurge. They had seven hits and four runs. That was their breakout game. I think that's the best this offense can do. And they still lost. (sighs) Moving on to game number three. This was a very short game. It was a well-pitched game. Corey Kluber pitched for the Yankees, and it's obviously easy to say, well, he just pitched well because he was pitching against the Tigers. I still think Corey Kluber has a lot of good baseball left in him. Maybe not a lot. I'm talking like a year or two left of good baseball, but that's all the that's all the Yankees need because they are dying to have that solid number two behind Garrett Cole, and they haven't found it in the two years that he's been there. He was great. Eight innings, two hits, zero runs, only one walk and 10 strikeouts. He looked like the Corey Kluber of old. Never understood the trepidation. Never understood people being so concerned about him. Velocity was down. The movement on his pitches was still great. He he'd had some freak injuries. Got hit by by a line drive in the arm last year. I think it had like a leg or an ankle injury or something uh, for the Indians a couple years ago. But besides that, the guy's been sparkling. Corey Kluber from 2014 to 2018 was a top three pitcher in baseball. Dude was lethal. His 2017 season was as good as any I'd seen from a pitcher in the American League in a long time. Yeah, he's not that pitcher anymore. But he's still pretty darn good, and I thought he looked great on Sunday. Another guy who looked great, Jose Urania, 
is outside of Jacob deGrom, the unluckiest pitcher in baseball right now, because he has had four consecutive great starts and only has one win. I saw him pitch at points in Miami. I saw him, I saw a few outings. I've never seen him look that good. Seven innings, three hits, two runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. Stuff hasn't been the issue necessarily, though early on in the season, it seemed like it was. The fastball seemed flat. His command was perfect. Maybe Chris Fetter was right, and if he is, I bow to that man, because he was the guy who single-handedly picked out Jose Urania. I still kind of believe that he was only given a few options, and Urania was the best of them, but his command was great, and he was doing something in the later innings that he didn't really do a whole lot of in Miami, which was missing bats. I mean, command was perfect, and he was starting to get some swings and misses, retired his last 17 batters, which is the most that any Tiger has retired consecutively in a start in Yankee Stadium ever, and they lost because the offense is anemic. I said this in my post game, but I want to say it again. I know I repeat a bunch, but that that's my thoughts in a blender, and then I expand upon them here on the podcast, but we're talking about a team that is so bad offensively that even if they just had a slightly above average offense, they'd probably be around 500 right now. And I'm not saying that their starting pitching is sparkling, but Boyd has had, what, four really good starts around there. Urania has had four really good starts. Mize has had two pretty darn good starts. So that's eight really good starts. And what, they've gotten wins in one of them, two of them. I guess Boyd on opening day, you had the Urania start against the White Sox. I'm not going to go through all of them. The fact is, the starting pitching has been good enough for this to be a serviceable slightly below average team, and the offense is just that bad. I I spotted it early on that this could potentially be an offense that's all-time bad. The the broadcast yesterday was talking about, oh, Jamer. Jamer's carrying this offense. Jamer Candelario's great. Yeah, and okay, Jamer Candelario's got a 278 average, which means he's seeing the ball pretty well, and most likely his power numbers will go up. He's got a 713 OPS. You look at the Yankees. The Yankees lineup has been struggling. Stanton, an 810 OPS. Judge, 964. Urshela, 767. Wade, 800. Higashioka, 1,800 OPS. I mean, that's five guys that are better than your best hitter. I'll say this again. In 2003, that team was terrible pitching-wise. They were terrible hit-wise. But Dimitri Young was pretty darn good. There's not a Dimitri Young on this roster. And they're going to end up losing a ton of games because of it. It's rough, man. It's rough. I wish I had more optimism for you. I wish I could come on here and say that there's a silver lining. There's not. This is a team, the only question a month into the season that we're going to have by the end of this year is, will this be a team that's going to get the number one pick? Or will they just hover outside of the top five? That's the only question right now because there's just not a whole lot to work with here. And somebody brought this up to me on Twitter, and they are right. There is some bad luck in the sense that guys that this team relied on a year ago, or even two years ago, have just nosedived. Like, Jacoby was good last year. He is, I'll have to look, he might be the worst hitter in baseball right now, statistically. Victor Reyes was serviceable last year. He's nosedived. Jonathan Scope is a good, he's had a good career. He's terrible. How is it that every guy who comes here sucks? There was a time, and I, I don't know why, but this is baking my clams. Why is it 
that that happens. There was a time where if you came here, you revived your career. Tory Hunter revived his career. Victor Martinez, uh, Johnny Peralta revived their careers when they got to Detroit. You come here, it's a cesspool. You're turning into the Detroit Lions. If you come to Detroit, your powers are sucked out. By the way, Akil Badu's average is like 200 right now. So that magic pixie dust wore off. So you officially have no good hitters in your lineup. I'm going to settle down and preview Tuesday's game when we return. We'll be right back. They start a series against the Red Sox. The improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, 6 new flavors, 12 other original flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And Built Bars are healthy. Built Bar is great for the health-conscientious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And we're back. But did we ever really leave? No, I don't think so. We've always been there in your hearts, dog. Tigers play a 7-10 game against a first-place team in the Boston Red Sox. Boy, this is a real fun one to talk about. The Red Sox are starting Nick Pavetta. Red Sox are 17-12. and 12. They're playing some pretty good baseball. I think they're out of their minds, kind of, because I don't see the pitching holding up. But the offense is really good and probably will be all year. That's a result of signing some pretty good players and having an offseason in which your owner actually gives a damn. Nick Pavetta is on the mound for 3-0 and with a 2-8-1 ERA. Did not outpitch Jacob deGrom, but got the win against Jacob deGrom in his last start. This, of course, coming from MLB.com. Pavetta has been stellar in his last two starts, giving up two hits and two runs over 11 innings. Last time out, he outpitched, well, okay. Here we go. This is an editorial. He outpitched the great Jacob DeGrom in a 1-0 win for Boston. Pavetta is 2-0 with a 2.29 ERA and four career starts at Fenway. I remember this guy with the Phillies. He sucked. It goes back to what I said at the end of last segment. How is it that other guys, like you look at the Giants right now. The Giants have a rotation that is from the Island of Misfit Toys. It's five guys nobody wanted. And they're one of the best rotations in baseball. Do I think it'll last? No. But I would like to watch a team that season isn't over by May. If this team was 500 right now, I'd be pretty gung-ho. We are 29 games into this season, and the year is over. How sad is it that expectations, which were at the bottom of the barrel, still can't be reached? The season's not over in June. It's not over on July 4th. It's not over in a pennant chase that was hard fought that you lose out on in September. It's May 3rd! And the season is over! And Nick Pavetta's going to shut you down. And here's, here's, where, here's where we're at. Guess what? Who, you know who the Tigers starter is on Monday? TBD. They don't have one. Al Avila should be fired yesterday. Straight up. There is, I, and again, I, I hate doing this. I hate, like, falling into rant mode every time. But how can you watch this team and not be mad? Things are worse than they've ever been. And it's year five. Like, two years ago, I, I remember watching the, the Blue Jays and be like, God, this team stinks. Two years later, look at that offense. They got Springer. They got Biggio. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to be a Hall of Famer one day. Bo Bichette is unbelievable. They got Teoscar Hernandez. Randall Gritchick. That's one of the best offenses in baseball. Your best hitter is Harold Castro in year five of a rebuild. Get
Sorry, I'm going to beep that out. Let's go home. Uh, uh, tomorrow might be a crossover show. If it's not, then I'm going to take a day off because they don't play. I know people might be mad about that, but I don't care. Let's move on. That'll do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at Tigers. Go to Apple Podcasts. Go to iTunes. Leave a written positive five-star review of this program. And while you're at it, how about you write down the fact the Tigers suck? The Tigers suck. They suck. They suck. They suck. They suck. Write it in big, bold capital letters and, and put it on Alavila's doorstep. And then make a Xerox copy of it and send it to Chris Illich. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. I appreciate your support. I love you all very much. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Have a great rest of your day and go Tigers.